0: With your Amex card entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select campus events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.
1: NFL Total Access the podcast is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft.
0: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome
2: back to More To It, the show that takes a deep dive into the biggest stories in sports, entertainment, and culture. Start with headline news and then we journey into those deeper conversations, always finding those life lessons that are presented in every single story. I'm your host, Marcel Swally, that dude. Oh, man, it's a good one today, baby. Let me tell you why. Phil Belichick over here is 4-0, so I'm feeling great. Not even going to dive too much into my coaching prowess right now and dominance in this youth league. I'm clowning. Um, But in all seriousness, I feel great, Um, and we're going to have an amazing show because we saw some amazing performances over the weekend. Let's get into it. Well, first, what's up with that dude? And the best performance I saw this weekend hands down was my team's (laughs) Baltimore Ravens little seven-year-olds went out there and smashed somebody we were down 12-0 before you could even blink in the first quarter I had to remind my kids that football man it's a long game just like life people always say life is too short now I remember loving that album and loving that song but I was like nah short life long as hell especially if you loving it or you are messing up and making bad decisions. But either way it goes to me, life has never felt short. See, I'm 48 years old. Do you understand the memories I have? doesn't feel like I've only lived for like 14 years. Feel like I've lived more than 48. But I was looking at my little kids, and they were like, dog, why are we down by two scores? And I was like, well, simple. You guys don't understand this, but they started on offense, we turned the ball over, and then we let them drive one time. Guess what? Those possessions count, so they don't understand all the time what is contributing to the points. They don't have that perspective. This is just like, yo, we haven't been down 12 points. I was like, y'all, fine. You'll get the ball in the second half. You'll score. Then you'll go out there and stop them, score again. Guess who's winning that game? That simple. You're two plays away. I had to remind them because they were looking down on themselves so bad that they didn't even probably want their snacks after the game. But... We came out there, second half did exactly as I expected, and we ended up winning that game 20 to 12. Feel good about the little kids. They were pumped up. They actually rebounded. Um, Other than that, uh, I got into an argument with my wife. Let me tell you why. It wasn't my fault. It was her arguing with somebody else. They getting into it. And then me, being the husband that I am, and sometimes I hate buying into these stereotypes or these gender-based stereotypes, but as a man, and as most men, when we hear something with our significant other, with our wife, we like to fix it. Just go in there, all right, here you go. Do this, do this, do this, and you're done. They don't want that. They want to be heard, and I didn't listen. I just came in with the hammer and the nails, said, do this, do this, do this, and it's gonna work. She shut down on me, dog. I was like, you're not gonna say nothing else? She was like, no, you're not understanding. You're not, tri- you're not feeling me. You're not connected with me. You're just trying to fix something. And it sounds like you're even explaining what they did as if you're justifying it. Long story short, man, it was crazy to be a part of an argument that I wasn't even a part of, but I end up getting the brunt of it. Uh, Other than that, yesterday was a chill day, man. Other than celebrating that victory, little play date, little pizza, same old, same old. Let's get into a topic that we all were captivated by. Javante Davis versus Ryan Garcia. Let's say it the way it happened. Let's talk about that polished pit bull, as they say in the boxing circles. Tank is a beast. Is he the face of boxing right now? Let's talk about it, because I know Canelo Alvarez right now somewhere cursing me out in Spanish, like, hey, no, 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 because Canelo is still... A face, even though he has a blemish on his record, or well, two, you can count Floyd when he was five years old and he fought Floyd. But the point is, we still know Canelo is a monster. But let's talk about what we saw in this fight. First of all, Tank came out playing no games, walked out with the music of the murder capital, basically Chief Keith coming out. And you're like, Oh God, he in that zone. He in that special place. Uh, the action really picked up. I think second, second round, you can see that when Garcia got knocked down. And Garcia had a bad game plan. Like, even though he's bigger, but they got this whole rehydration clause. So then Javante Davis was like 146 when it was time to fight. He came out there instead of being who he is, which is that counter puncher. And counter punchers, they always get impatient in big moments, it seemed like. They always want to be the aggressor. Dog, you ain't the aggressor in this one. It's that polished pit bull. And he found out the hard way because he was getting out of position because he was striking first. It was really that simple to me, mathematically. Watch that go down. Then you can see Javante just setting traps, setting traps. Look at me acting like I really know what I'm doing, right? He's just setting them traps. And finally... He walked into one. They were throwing them hooks. So Garcia swears by his left hook, swears by his left hook, kept saying it. Look, look, I don't give a damn. I'll sign anything away. I'll sign my purse away. We'll gamble that. Okay, rehydration clause. Who gives a damn? But he had a quote saying, basically, as long as they don't take my left hook, I'm good. Well, didn't he swing it once? Didn't he swing it twice? did he swing it again? And then finally got, wow! And when I saw the hit, I didn't think much of it, but then you saw it slow mode and you was like, oh, he hit that dude right there in the liver, pushed that button as boxers say. And then all of a sudden, five, four, three, two, whoa, whoa. Like he just evaporated and he was like, dog. And this is the moment that I actually want to take you guys behind the curtain because I have some boxing experience despite not knowing how to fight a lick. I used to train at Wild Card Gym with Freddie Roach, my man Eddie Alvarez, etc. A lot of guys over there I know. And it's funny when I talk to these boxers, they are so strategic. And I don't think we give them enough appreciation for not just that they're hitting you and hitting you so fast and hitting you so hard, but they're hitting you exactly where they want to if they're sticking to their game plan. So I remember going in there one time with Shane Mosley and talking. And Shane Mosley was like, dog, do you understand I would destroy you? And I was looking at him like, man, I am twice your size. There's no way. He said, okay, let's just have a little fun. 50%. All right. And he hit me And he went one of those, you know, those light taps you do to your little nephew or something? Like, I could have got you, but I didn't get you. And he got me right there on the button. And let me tell you, I felt a little Ryan (laughs) Garcia-ish. I was like, whoo! He was like, now imagine if I turn, put the hips into it, the twist with it, and I'm actually mad at you. He's like, yeah, you're going down, big dog. So we all saw it. The question is, is now Javante Davis, the face of boxing. He's that much closer, we know, because now that resume is a lot thicker because people were clowning the resume before. Devin Haney's out there. Shakira Stevenson's out there. We know Canelo's got that big name, big face, and that great record, and a lot of support. Let's see where this ends for the polished Pit Bull. Hope you guys are getting your YouTube memberships into Wiley's World. I'm seeing those names added, and those names are going to be the ones who co-host this show with me. So got to be a member to get your ugly face up on the screen with my uglier face to talk some beautiful sports or life. Let's have some fun doing it. Join Wiley's World. Now let's get into this world of Dylan Brooks, his mental space, because I don't know what's going on upstairs. Sounds like he can't decide what he wants to be in this series. And as a basketball player, let's talk about it, because you can see that this team now, down to the Los Angeles Lakers, Yeah. The Lakers are not fakers right now. They got the number of these Memphis Grizzlies. Obviously, John Morant missed the game in there, and then John Morant returns in the game three, and he's the only one that wanted to play, it seemed like, in game three, including Dylan Brooks, who we thought was about that life. Thought Dylan Brooks was about that life until I realized, oh, no. Just like all those tough guys, they're really soft on the inside. Let's talk through this. Okay, this is the same guy who has now made himself the household name, respect, by going at cats, like getting under their skin. You know, he even had an issue with Draymond Green. They had words, and Draymond Green, like, dog, I'm the king of this. Like, I got the rings to prove that my talk actually materializes. You don't. And they had issues. Now, Dylan Brooks was riding that all the way through. And he had the, quote, remember this series? I poke bears. I don't respect no one until they can come and give me 40 points. Really talk about LeBron. Hey, you great. You the king. But you over the hill. You old. And you haven't even dropped 40 on me yet. So who are you? Okay. Well, they lose game three. And this is the same Dylan Brooks. I don't know if this is his Jekyll side or his Hyde side. But trust me, it ain't like he's trying to ride like he was before. Here's him after the game saying, quote, The media making me a villain. (laughs) You already know. When the cats start pointing at microphones and cameras, (laughs) he done lost it. It's a wrap. The fans making me a villain. Y'all. Mm-hmm. You, you, Mm mm-hmm. Remember that? What was that in uh, Men's Society? Mm Mm-hmm. The kids. Uh, And then that just creates a whole different persona on me. So now you think I intended to hit LeBron James in the nuts. I'm playing basketball, I'm a basketball player. So if I intended, and that's whatever is the flagrant two category, you think I did that? That means you think I'm that type of person. Okay, Dylan Brooks, I think you tried to hit him in the nuts. Let me tell you why. I always get into my body language expert mode when I see these weird unorthodox movements that end with bad consequences, right? Like if you could go, you reverse engineer, you're like, dog, he got hit in the nuts? That is either an accident or on purpose, right? So how do I always determine the accident? Well, within normal movements, obviously, something can still occur. You can be going for the ball, miss the ball, damn it, and I hit him in the thangs. But in this situation, Dylan Brooks and his body position, as you can see him turning guard LeBron James, kind of gives them one of these, like first of all, this is not natural. This is natural. You see I sit, I sit, I stand, this is my open position. This is my closed position. This is open, natural, this is closed, intentional. When you hit somebody like that, you're intending to hit them. Let's watch it. Oh, that's the left hand going to the left side. And all of a sudden, you connect with the dada All right, so I thought he did it on purpose. Now, why would he do it on purpose? Now we got to unpack who a Dylan Brooks is. The guys who know when they run their physical calculations, their emotional calculations, how they contribute to the game, they run those numbers. And when they hit that equal sign and that is below standard, you know what they do? They make up the difference by doing stuff like Dylan Brooks, right? They are the ones who are going to be always barking. Even though they can play, they still going to bark to try to close the gap between how they play good and those who play great. They also will go and cross the line. They talk their way to the line, and then they cross the line by doing close and intentional things like hitting LeBron there. What is a game suspension to him? He's like, I am barely hanging on right now for this opportunity, and I'm a good player, but not a great player. Therefore, I'm an expendable player. So I got to do everything to make sure I stick out and do everything I can to contribute to the team. And it's funny, he's blaming the media, and he's blaming y'all, the fans, Me, the fans, right? He's blaming all of us. Why would you do that? Aren't you the same guy who... Had the foul last year that injured Gary Payton II. Remember that? Uh Uh-huh. He ain't getting suspended for what he did on LeBron, but we haven't forgotten that. Haven't you also been ejected, what, three games this year? Yeah. Okay. So that's the media's fault. No, 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 that's the fans' fault. Oh, no, no, that's our fault for actually being intelligent enough to sum up what type of player you are. Can't blame us now, big dog, because you don't have to play that way. Oh, you actually do. That's how you think about your game. That's the limitations you've come to understand and realize. Therefore, you try to close the gap. Now, I play with actual players, and football's a whole different energy and spirit, but still, a lot of this translate. Rodney Harrison was a monster of a player future Hall of Fame player had to clarify that for Rodney there was this clip of me on Dan Patrick one day when Dan Patrick asked me who was getting into the Hall of Fame this year but the clip made it seem like I meant in history or for life so I said no to Rodney because I was like I know how they feel about Rodney the voters Rodney only made two Pro Bowls and should have made 200 of them, right? I knew that people always had an issue with Rodney, so I knew he wasn't going to get into the Hall of Fame this year. Sorry, my dog, and sorry for others who thought I didn't think they were Hall of Famers just because of that. I digress. But a Dylan Brooks is a type of guy who, unlike a Rodney Harrison in the sport of football, Rodney's going to go cross that line too, but he knows his game has already got him to that higher place that next level. So watching Dylan Brooks blame everybody else for his limitations and the way he acts out and expresses those limitations is hilarious. Yes, the fans are laughing. Yes, the media is laughing, but we'll see who gets to laugh laugh in this series. Don't forget your YouTube membership. Subscribe to Wally's World so we can get this in. See your pretty face next to my ugly face and talk life, talk sports. Let's do that. All right, let's talk about Kevin Durant and Chris Paul ganging up on Russell Westbrook to show him love. Man, oh, I needed to see this one. The last time I saw Chris Paul was actually with Russell Westbrook, as we were all in attendance at CJ Paul's, Chris Paul's brother's 40th birthday party, which was player, player. Let me just say that. It was fresh. Everybody was dressed like they were at the country club going golfing, and it was a fun time. Uh, I had a little dance-off for Westbrook for like four seconds. We was going to see who could see walk the hardest, but... uh. My hip and my knee, the way that they work together right now, they ain't on the same page. They actually cripping in blood. And so it was fun and we had a great time. Uh, But I want to bring up these comments because too many times, even myself, we get guilty of talking about the negative, right? It's a negative-based society. When you're driving around, the cop doesn't pull you over and say, hey, you know what? That was an amazing stop at that light. And then after that, that gradual speed increase. Oh, you know what? Here's $50 for you to spend civically today. Right now, nah, you only get and you get pulled up. What's up, officer 10 and 2? Uh, he's like, license and registration. Here's your ticket, right? They only care about you, it seems like, when it's something bad and negative. That's why I like this story right now. Let's talk about what Kevin Durant said first, and then Chris Paul. Kevin Durant said, quote, when he's retired, people are going to really tell the truth about how they feel about his game. Right now, it's a fun thing to do is to make a joke out of Russ. Mm. Then Chris Paul chimed in. I feel like the only people who do that, too, is the people that don't know basketball. Preach, brothers. Preach. Let's talk about why. Man. People really run with that, especially on Russell Westbrook, who is balling this series. People already said he won them the only game that they won in this Clippers series against the Phoenix Suns, which was game one, right? Even though he didn't lead in the stat column, because that was Kawhi Leonard going out there dropping 38, it was Russell Westbrook setting the tone and also setting the resilience of this team for that game, making sure that this team knew we're going to fight All the way through, all of those defensive plays, hey, the block on Devin Booker at the end, just showing that spirit of how we're going to have to play if we're going to beat this team. And that's contagious. So give Russell Westbrook his flowers for this series. Now, what they're trying to say is, let's give him some love globally and for his entire game, his entire career. Huh. Why do fans clown athletes? Especially when it's someone who's a future Hall of Famer who you can never discredit in terms of his work ethic. He comes in and punches the clock, brings the lunch pail every single day, right? So you can't question that, which is typically why fans get the most mad. Oh, he's not even trying, right? I'm hearing about Kawhi right now. He's not punching the clock. But Westbrook has always punched the clock. So it's not that. Why do fans clown? athletes, especially the great ones, a future Hall of Famer who works so hard. Is it simply because he doesn't have a championship? Really? Really? Like, is it that lazy? Is that simple? No. I mean, I don't hear the jokes like that for Barry Sanders, right? I mean, I could go to lesser players, even though they were beasts. Megatron, let's stay in Detroit, right? You don't hear that about him. Uh, J.J. Watt doesn't get clowned in my sport um, in terms of, oh, he didn't win it all, but You know, like I can't keep going and going and going. Allen Iverson doesn't get clowned like that in basketball. He never won a championship, right? So what it is, not the championship team. Y'all running out of excuses. You're running out of reasons to clown Russell Westbrook. Oh, I hear y'all. See, that's why we got to do this show together. Please sign up for the memberships so y'all can get up here and we can really chop this up. Is it because he did it to himself? All the times where he, you know, the memes, Westbrook got memes. Nick, please. Nick, please. Nito, please, right? He got that one. Uh, clowning, the whole cupcake stuff, whatever his contributions were, etc. We get it. But I think there's an inbounds to clowning athletes and there's an out-of-bounds clowning athletes. I think the momentum, the locomotive of how y'all still talk about Westbrook the way y'all talk about Westbrook, I think that's out-of-bounds. The whole Westbrook and Skip Bayless, that's stupid. Like, that's so weak. I'm mad that they even get ratings off of that. I'm mad that people even supported that to the point where Skip said, this works, therefore I'm going to keep doing it. I wish that everybody's TVs would just cut off as soon as he start doing that. That's stupid. That's corny and that's whack. But it works, so I get it. But it's out of bounds to me. What's in bounds? Talking about their game. What's in bounds? Having jokes about their game. What's not? In bounds? The fact that it goes to the point... Where now, all you see are the negatives. All you want to talk about are the negatives. Now, Westbrook still has his struggle shooting just to be nice. (laughs) That dude, he be hitting the side of the backboard sometimes. Like, he he airballed in the game. He balling out of control. He got 30-some points. Airball. Like, I get that. Like, that's all in bounds. But why? Where does it come from? with the fans. Like, what is your vested interest? You're paying your hard-earned money, you're there, you love it, you're supporting it, and you're clowning it. It's kind of interesting right there. I think that fans' jealousy wrecks the game, and I've seen it. Like that whole, boo, like the guy, fuck you, you suck, Westbrook, like he's trying to get noticed. All he really wants is Westbrook to take notice of him, or catch him after the game and give him a picture a selfie that will make his day but just the fans jealousy as a whole wrecks the game but i think fans and their envy fuels the game what do i mean i've always had this deep respect for fans and it's really in this one column especially when i see a guy with another grown man's jersey on with another grown man's name on the back and he is wearing it with pride and representing and got the whole damn mannequin matching outfit to go with it and walking around with the dude's shoes on color zone and name on his back with his girlfriend right there who he just got with and going to the game to go cheer that dude on or dog curse him if he misses a few shots See how crazy this is? See how Jekyll and Hyde this is? But the point is, I really think the jealousy hurts the game and the envy fuels the game. So I'm wondering where you fans come down on it. Why y'all so damn mad at athletes? I know you're a fan and you're a fanatic, but sometimes it's just not fun and it doesn't make sense. Make sure you get your Wally's World YouTube membership right now and we can discuss this topic soon together. But let's talk about it right now. Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon, gone. <sighs> Both from CNN and Fox News, same day, just gone. What is going on here? Wow, like this was major. I, sometimes you get a story. I know y'all like me. You get the story and you're like, ain't no way. So then the first thing you do is check the website. You're like, is this legit? Yeah, it's not nutcracker or buttcracker whatever the hell that site is.com. Then you hit your, I always hit refresh, like, nah maybe there was a glitch let me see it for real then i was like this is for real then i'm going through the group text you know all the homies got to hit you next thing you know that was real not only one but two of them all we need is one more to go down i don't know who it could be and then we're gonna have the (laughs) the big three forming somewhere else i don't know let's talk through it start off with don lemon at cnn that said that they're parting ways with mr lemon lemon and we know who he is that's the beast that's the one of the stars of the network and this is what happened, quote, Don Lim is on the air Monday and says this. I was informed this morning by my agent that I have been terminated by CNN. Mm. I am stunned. After 17 years at CNN, I would have thought that someone in management would have had the decency to tell me directly. At no time was I ever given any indication that I would not be able to continue to do the work I have loved at the network. He said in a statement that he posted to Twitter as well. Okay, we gotta go unpack this before we go and get this. Uh, Don Lemon, man, he has been under fire, especially of late, but we know his whole career, in terms of him being on CNN as a political commentator, has always been one of a blaze, right? But inside the network, people started to lose their support for him, and he started to lose it because of the remarks especially that happened in February. Even the CNN's chairman, Chris Light, had to come out and talk about that. Okay, that was a national conversation, and it was a rare public rebuke that came from up top down. Now, when they come out and say something, that lets you know, that's my, that's strike one, maybe strike two, but let's let you know, you don't have the empty count. Now, okay, remember he said, like, she wasn't in her prime, he was talking about a Republican presidential candidate, Nikki Haley, she wasn't in her prime, she's 51 years old, he said a woman's considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. So a wide-ass range of prime, but I digress. He dismissed the objections of his female co-host by responding. I'm just saying what the facts are. Google it. So now he says something that wasn't even, like, factually correct because he couldn't narrow it down. 20-year prime plus. But then somebody tried to correct him, maybe not just for the facts, but just how this is going to get perceived. Like, dog, calm down. And he said, nope. Double down on dumb. Remember that Wileyism? Don't double down on dumb. He had a moment. He doubled down on dumb. Bam. Now he stamped it. Okay. So later, of course, you know what happens. Instead of you really feeling contrite, somebody double taps you. Hey, dog. get on the mic, get on camera, and apologize. He did that, but damage already done. Okay? Now, people thought he would turn the page from that situation to incident, but... People inside start saying it was untenable. Uh, people were speaking about them, saying it was very sensitive conversations that didn't go so well internally. And then recently, some of the bookers, people that get guests on the shows, discovered that some guests just frankly didn't want to go on the show anymore. Uh-oh. They don't want to go on the show anymore? Why? Because of Don Lemon. Not because they were busy. Not because of their hectic schedule. Not because of traffic. Because of Don Lemon. Lemon. Ah, now that's when it's all bad. The last, one of the last nails in the coffin probably was the fact that he did some popularity polls and realized he's losing his popularity with our audiences. Okay, so just what, a few months ago, we were talking about Don Lemon and he had the 10 p.m. show and he was moving it to the morning show. We know he's big time, but it was like, oh, now look at you, Don Lemon tonight, going from that to now you're going to have the CNN this morning show. And that's going to be big because that's prime time, right? Whatever that may be. Well, wasn't a perfect fit because when y'all get up in the morning and making those frozen waffles and and trying to thaw out your bacon and, and serve some breakfast to your kids while you're listening to your politics, you want a softer, lighter version than you would get at 10 p.m., right? And they were saying that Don Lemon wasn't fitting that bill. So, finally, after a few of those episodes, with the national conversation, with the fact that he was having issues internally with people, with the fact that the boss had come down on him... It came to a crashing end, and Don Lemon had to make that statement, and it's crazy. And you know Don Lemon. I did not see the statement. I didn't see how he read it, but I just know it was emotionally filled because that dude leads with his heart and not always in a good way. He is too emo for me. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Now, Tucker Carlson is leaving Fox News, and you got to watch where you get your information from because they can say you left or they could say you were fired, or they could say mutually agreed. but the point is, Tucker Carlson won't be at Fox News anymore. Come on, right? Now, they decided to part ways. Now, this comes on the heels of that $787.5 million settlement that they settled with the Dominion voting systems. Y'all remember that, right? All of the, the stuff that helped the rigging of the 2020 presidential election against former President Donald Trump. Well, that was nixed. Uh, That was found to not be true. And to talk about Dominion in that way cost them almost a billion dollars. Now, let's talk about this in particular. They said there were like 20 broadcasts that they claimed were defamatory, um, including one from Tucker Carlson as well. Now, after that, it became an issue because... Some of the Fox executives, including producers, hosts, and Tucker Carlson, were a little different after President Joe Biden was declared the winner of the 2020 election. Okay, here we go. This is what happened. On record, Carlson wrote, quote, we are very, very close to being able to ignore Trump most nights. I truly can't wait. I hate him passionately. Why does that matter? Okay, they're different now, right? Joe Biden's in. What is the perception of Fox News? We damn near know it. It's conservative. What is it? It's supposed to be pro Trump or it's supposed to be pro Republican at that time. Now you got Joe Biden in office and you got these kind of messages happening behind the scenes. We're about to get somewhere. He also called the former president, quote, talking about Trump, a demonic force, a destroyer, in a text message to his producers, okay, some of y'all probably clapping to that. Here's the problem: Where do you work? Let's keep going. Other messages showed Carlson and his fellow hosts Hannity and Laura Ingram, and some of the Trump's lawyers, namely Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, Giuliani, I should say, um, about the unfounded claims that the election was stolen. Mmm. Now we know. That he's been a fixture on that network for how long? And now, how you really feel is coming to surface. Now, there's two issues with this. Let's start off unpacking what's going on with Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson is getting on air pandering. Tucker Carlson is getting on air when he was pro-Trump or talking in a conservative tone was actually not into those conversations right now you can just say hey you got paid to do this, so who gives a damn but the pandering that comes from that and then the distance that actually he has in real life from the issues he's talking about to me is disturbing i don't like that i do like tucker carlson in terms of what he does in presentation as a professional speaker his show politics aside because i don't agree with anybody's politics fully but in terms of him being a performer him getting it done I like that. What I didn't like is the same thing I didn't like with Don Lemon. Now, I didn't like Don Lemon's presentation because he was just too emotional all the time. He always injected his feelings into it too much. Now, you can say, well, at least he's not pandering. I'm saying, yeah, but also he's not being logical. Like, sometimes he would just say something like, dog, no, stop feeling it and start thinking about it, right? So that was an issue for me. But both of these guys suffer from what we all suffer from when it runs amok, the ego, right? And he goes where he goes. And these egos got out of control. So now we saw like a Rush Limbaugh back in the day. Rest in peace, all the greatness. Who thought he wasn't replaceable, but then comes to like a Bill O'Reilly who doesn't think he's replaceable. And that turns into now Hannity and Chuck Carlson. Like you get up there and that power starts to corrupt your thought process, and you display it in different ways. So Tucker Carlson was like, I'm going to display my ego like this. I don't care about Trump. I don't like Trump. Talking trash about Trump all while he's at work, except when he's working for us, when we can consume it as fans on camera. So you imagine him poisoning the well of those he worked with, which I would assume a lot of them have, Their sensibilities wrapped up in conservative politics, which means you're talking to Trump supporters at work. The guy who just got you the coffee, the guy who just did the show for you, the guy who just did the rundown for you, the guy who's going to produce it, the guy who's going to direct it, the guy enlightened. A lot of them are Trump supporters and you killing Trump until the light turns on. Then you all form or making sure You don't discredit the man, despite your personal feelings. Ah, that's a weird, tense work environment. That's part of it. For Don Lemon, his situation just was simple. He kept injecting himself into everything and thought that what he felt was actually bigger than what they were talking about, the politics at hand. Because a lot of people like Don Lemon in terms of, yeah, man, why not be invested in every story? And he did seem passionate in that way. But where he lost it and where he went too far was simple, dog. You gotta think through these things logically before you can emotionally display them. And he constantly went to that well to the point where then he thought he could do no wrong. A woman's prime is in her twenties, thirties, maybe forties. Google it. Prime of what? In track and field? (laughs) What are you talking about? In prime of what? Having babies? I mean, I it's dog. Like how how she looks. Like what are you priming? First of all. Uh, say that to Sade and Anita Baker. They ain't a Uh But the point is, I just thought that he always was stepped too far. And his response was always what he felt. And that is a little immature and childlike. If you have that platform and that level of vo- volume in your voice and you rely only on emotion. So it seemed like both of those guys were on the collision course in terms of how they were treating Others in their work environment. And that poisoning is what finally eroded this situation for both of them. Finally, ate them both alive. All right, y'all. Y'all know how we finish every show with a Wileyism. I'm looking forward to those comments on that. Why do you think they got fired or left? Let's talk to it. Today's Wileyism is nobody ever drowned in their own sweat. You're damn right. You better go to work. Oh, man, and sometimes I have that struggle button pushed. Like, no, I know I got so much work to do that what should I do? Well, I need to get to work because no matter how much I work, no matter to what extent I work, nobody has ever died just working. You know, it kind of reminds me of like when you're doing wind sprints and your coach used to always yell at you, man, ain't nobody about to go out here and die. You always, I need some water, I need some water. Yeah, you ain't about to die. And even though somebody has died, coach, I'm, I'm going to hate to tell you that. Like, do your homework. Google it, as Don Lemon would say. Um, what he was really trying to get to is a lot of hard work is not going to kill you, bro. A lot of hard work won't kill you. So nobody ever drowned in their own sweat. Put that grind first, you know. Make up your mind what you want to do and put the grind first. Go get it, right? Nobody ever drowned in their own sweat. I love that. All right, y'all. That's going to do it for more to it. Check the show notes for all the information on our topics today. Today! Y'all want to keep the conversation going? Let's talk. Find me on all socials at Marcel Swally. More to it is a production. Dan Patrick Productions, That Dude Entertainment, and Workhouse Media. The show is executive produced by Dan Patrick, Marcel Swally, Paul Anderson, and Nick Panella. Marcel Swally, That Dude. Thanks for listening, y'all. Thanks for all the love. Subscriptions, five-star ratings, reviews, membership program marcellaswally.com projecttransition.org you guys are all in with me that dudes dudes and that dudes divas I am working this because it's funny we got that new show coming where y'all gonna be on the show it's y'all show members show so what y'all want to do let's do it let's keep it going let's keep it coming there's more coming from more to it talk to y'all hella soon